This is the Following the Joy podcast, a place to talk about being the best version of yourself, following your heart, making the changes needed and having fun on this adventure we call life. So if that sounds like your sort of thing, then I invite you to stick around. I'm your host, Debbie Westwell, and this is Following the Joy. In this episode, I talk to jewellery designer, art gallery owner, um, and genuine, fabulous, creative lady, as well as podcast host, um, Nicole Gareppi. She's absolutely awesome. She lives in the Caribbean. Um, she's come through a lot of experiences in her life, which she shares with us. Um, and her mission is basically to create beauty and share it throughout the world and inspire others to do the same and I definitely came away from this interview feeling super inspired to be creative she's a wonderful human being she encourages other creatives to kind of inspire people and talks about where she gets her inspiration from we kind of discuss a little bit about confidence we discuss you know as I said, some of the things that she's been through and, and what's brought her to where she is now. We discuss sobriety and this interview will knock your socks off. So I hope you love it. All right. So hi, Nicole. Welcome to Following the Joy podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. <laughs> hey, Debbie. I'm super happy to be here. Awesome. So I'm going to kick off straight away. I'm just going to like get you to introduce yourself to our listeners and then we'll just flow from there because I've got like a whole bunch of uh, questions for you probably, but we'll just see where it goes. <laughs> okay, amazing. Yes, yeah, so my name is Nicole Garropy and I am a creative and artist at heart. Um, so what most people find really interesting about me is that I live in the Caribbean. So I live in the US Virgin Islands. It is a tropical paradise. Um, and I actually grew up here. So I've lived here since I was a teenager. Um, and yes, I'm an artist. I was a ballet dancer when I was young. Um, I almost had a career in ballet, but I decided to go into jewelry design instead. Um, number one, it's better money, but it's, uh, it's a little less intense on the body and the mind and things like that. Um, so now I also, in addition to being a jewelry designer, I own an art gallery. So I sell art for other artists and creativity and art has just been such a huge part of my journey because it's sort of, it's the thing that's lit me up about life. And there's a whole like process to that, to where I got to where I am now, where I really feel like I'm living the fullest expression of my life because of unlocking the creativity. And that doesn't exactly have to do with creating my jewelry or creating art. It's about creating my life. So, um, oh. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Like the fullest, fullest expression of yourself. That's just such a strong statement. I genuinely love that. And also, can I just say, I'm very jealous that you are in the Caribbean. I am in the UK and my toes are cold. It's raining outside. <laughs> and I absolutely love, love the Caribbean. But um, OK, so ballerina, that's super interesting. Also, your toes probably thank you for turning to art instead of um, into instead of ballet. But how long were you a ballerina for? So I I was started in creative movement when I was like a little child, like, you know, as, as early as you can, three, three years old or so, where you're just bumbling around, you're not really dancing. So my parents had me in dance and it didn't stick. But then um, 
I always, I always loved dance. And I went back to it when I was about 11 years old, which is super late in the ballet world. If you're not dancing, starting Mm -hmm. at age three, and then continuing, like, basically forget it. But I started back up at, um, at age 11. And I got really, really serious about it. Yeah, it, um, it it was really my life when I was a child. So, um, so yeah, that was, so do you, do you still dance or when when did you stop dancing? No, so I was actually just trying to think about think about that. So I when I was 17 years old, I was actually offered um a a spot in a dance company. Wow. And it was, you know, they're really just to be very honest about the whole thing. I didn't have a ballet dancer's body. I wasn't large, but I wasn't a perfect ballet body, and that was really hard on me. So I battled with that for, you know, all of my teenage years, of course. And I, at age 17, I said, I don't think I can do this to myself for the rest of my life. Um, So I still continued to dance, even though I wasn't doing it with a career focus in mind. Uh, So I, I still took classes. I taught ballet for a long time and I did choreography uh, for like different theater productions in our community theater. So I probably was still in the dance world until my early 30s is probably when I officially stopped I transitioned to yoga which you know being nicer to my body going from (laughs) ballet to yoga it's a whole different thing yeah I mean I remember being little and I I well not being little as in my like reflections I never went to ballet or anything like that and I once said to my mom why did you never send me to ballet lessons and she was like I asked you and you said no and I was like all right okay rock and roll for my mum being like Miss Independent like no she doesn't want to go to ballet I asked her it's fine and I'm kind of glad I didn't I definitely don't have a dancer's body um but I know that like I've got dancers as friends and not necessarily ballet dancers but I know that it's such a tough industry it's very competitive isn't it as well and I mean fair play to you for saying there that you know kind of the age of 18 you're like no like it's not for me it's going to affect me mentally because that's I mean is there a lot of pressure on you to stay a certain size and a certain weight and stuff? And 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 has that affected you moving forward or were you able to kind of like separate from it as you moved over into yoga? Oh yeah, no, I was not able to separate from that. I mean, body image issues also run in my family. So oh. that was really difficult. Um, and actually part of this company offer, there was this company that was interested in me. And one of the contingencies was I would be able to be a part of this company, but I had to lose a certain amount of weight to do it. And I, oh yeah, I was, I grew up in a vegan family. So we were already very healthy and they wanted to send me to a nutritionist and all of this. And it was just, it was just too much. I had already had my body scrutinized for so many years and, yeah. you know, cause you are, you're in leotards and tights and people are looking yeah. at you and you go to auditions I had an audition where the auditioner actually told me I needed to lose weight. So I was, I just, I didn't have the heart to it, to do it. And this is what's really interesting because I think a lot of people can get past that. They can say, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to try to do this thing. Yes, it's hard. Yes, people are critiquing me. I couldn't, I couldn't get myself to that place where I wasn't totally wrapped up in my worth being how I looked and that's like 
that's like so emotionally mature like probably like reflecting back and going through a trauma of you know making decisions like that but I think that's so emotionally mature because some people it will trigger them for the rest of their life or they'll be constantly chasing that like that skinny figure or that like I've got to lose however many more pounds or I've got to look a certain way and I don't think it's just with ballet is it it's with a lot of things like nowadays it's kind of one of my little bugbears this because I just think everybody should just love themselves as they are and try not to fit I guess you were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole in a way because even though you love dance and ballet like you said your shape is not a ballet dancer's shape unless you completely change your lifestyle in order to to do that I'm a beauty therapist by trade and I'm exactly the same because I did never really like the whole fake nails fake eyelashes like everything like that I'm just more of a like a natural like you all look beautiful as you are you're you're perfect as you are but just maybe not perfect for the thing that you're doing I guess but um, oh, that's super interesting. Sorry, I feel like that was just like a little like dip into your history and, and psyche there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but obviously there's like that that golden thread that goes through because with dance, it's expression, isn't it? And, and same with creative art is expression as well. So, um, I mean, let's talk about your jewellery because it's beautiful. Everybody needs to have a look. It's called Fantasy, as in F-A-N-T-A. S-E-A, fantasy jewellery. I'll put a link in the show notes anyway. When did you start getting into making jewellery? So it's interesting. It was really about the same time that, you know, the, the company offer with the dance didn't, you know, I chose not to do that, basically. Um, I had worked at a jewellery store as a part-time job in high school, and I was just enamored by the world of jewelry. You know, I think a lot of people, if you're not in the industry, we think about jewelry as being something pretty, okay? Everybody maybe gets an engagement ring when they get married or you get some pearls for your graduation. And I know there are different traditions in different countries um, around jewelry. But it's, you know, there's a whole science behind the gemstones. And obviously when I started making jewelry, that's a whole, you know, that's a whole trade. So I never really thought about how vast this industry was until I was working in it. I was like, wow, this is really cool. There is so, you know, there's so much to do within this, this jewelry world. And I had a wonderful boss and business mentor who was just so encouraging. And he, you know, kind of gave me all of the avenues. He said, well, you know, go and do this if you're interested in being a gemologist, which is what I ended up doing to start. I went to GIA, which is an international gemological school. They're around the world. I've got and my diamond was... certificate with them. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. I sold diamonds <laughs> on cruise ships for a while. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, you know, there's so many different, um, you know, parts of it. So it took me a while to get into actual manufacturing. I thought, did the, you know, the GIA certifications. And I'm like, this is great. I'm just going to, I worked as a buyer and a manager in jewelry. And I thought I was fine with that. But there's that creativity piece where I was like, I want more. And I want like, I want a hand in making the stuff that I'm selling because I'm like selling all this beautiful jewelry, but I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm picturing something that looks like this instead. So, uh, so I apprenticed with some of the jewelers at the store I worked with. I, I yeah. asked so many questions. I must've driven everybody crazy because I wanted to know everything. We had a gem cutter. I learned all about gems at the beginning from them, the bench jewelers. And then I eventually went to 
um, a school to learn how to like all of the actual processes in manufacturing and yeah, now I am where I am. Mm. I have a great business that I love and I get to be creative every day. I think that's awesome. I kind of like, I'm in awe of you because on my bucket list and I keep looking at them locally, it's like, I want to go and learn like silver smithing jewelry just to create a ring or to create something. I don't know what it is it calls to me. It's like, I really want to go and make something. And I've just never gotten around to do it. It's 2024, this is it. I'm going to go and do it this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you were just like- Yeah, and I feel like that's such an important thing that you've just said, ask questions. Like I was always raised, just ask questions. Like there's no bad questions, so just keep asking. And even though you think you're probably going to annoy people, I feel like, yeah, that's it. Just ask questions and go and do something amazing Mm -hmm. and- try it I guess because you might not like it you might like it but yeah oh that's oh I love it I love it and then you work with art as well so do you do any of the paintings drawings or are you selling other people's I don't I'm selling art for other people right now I love I did you know I was always in art classes in school art electives I just I always love to create things so I would love Obviously, just from, you know, this conversation, I'm a pretty busy person. (laughs) So, you know, I would love to have time to paint, but that's just not something that's in the cards right now. One day. Um, So I'm not doing any of that. I do sell um, paintings and fine art photography for other artists because, you know, there is there's this unfortunate thing that a lot of artists are not good at showing up and marketing themselves or selling themselves. And my performance background really gave me a leg up on that. I'm good at that. I'm good at showing up. I love to talk to people. So I really wanted to be a platform where I can, you know, sell art for people who aren't really good at doing that themselves. The next step is I really want to teach artists how to show up for themselves. That is really, um, that's really something that lights me up because it's sort of like, it's like, sure, you need that for your art if you're going to make a living from it. But I think it also unlocks this layer of self, like the self-confidence that a lot of people just don't have naturally. And well, I won't say naturally because I didn't have it naturally. Being on stage, a lot of times you're just like putting on an act. But I got to a place where I was like, wait, this, yeah, I have to kind of fake it till I make it. But now I'm like, this is very genuine. It's not an act anymore. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love the, the whole confidence piece because I'm a little bit like you. I love, I genuinely love standing up in front of people and talking. And people always say to me, like, how do you do that? And then working on ships, I did it in front of thousands of people. Um, but I actually kind of, I'm the same as you. I'm just like, well, I kind of just fake it until I make it. And also I'm just quite relaxed with it. So I think yep. people kind of, almost have that anxiety of anticipation don't they where they are like in their head they're already telling themselves a story that it's going to go this way and this is going to happen and what happens if people don't look at me or like fall asleep in the audience or whatever it is that's going on in their brain and I can remember being on stage and like literally having people just looking at me with blank expressions and then and I still like I'm confident but I still get nervous I've always got sweaty armpits when I'm doing like a big presentation or something like that that's just how my nerves come out and I remember saying to these people goodness gracious can you please 
like smile at me because I've got sweaty armpits and I'm standing up here and you're making me nervous like this <laughs> but it kind of just broke the ice so I guess like what you want to do there is is amazing because some artists would be natural introverts wouldn't they or some would be kind of you know if you if you put your heart and soul into something you feel very vulnerable don't you I guess when you are then going to try and and, and sell that or share that and maybe within the art world some pieces they just don't want to share because it's too close to the emotions that they had when they were creating it so I think that's such a wonderful thing that you can do but so so what piece of advice would you give to anybody who's listening to this not necessarily about creativity and artwork but just kind of showing up for yourself and a bit of confidence have you got any tips there yeah, so I think, you know, I think part of it, the first thing is that it goes back to fear, right? We're all afraid of what people are going to think about us. And one thing that I've heard over and over again is we're not really afraid of the whole world. We're afraid of like one or two people who said something unkind to us at one point in our lives, oh my goodness, right? Yes. Yeah. We're worried about, you know, Becky from high school or <laughs> somebody from our, you know, our childhood or maybe even something that, you know, your your weird uncle said. So it's it's very rare that, you know, I think people in general are really curious and they they like to see real people. That's part of it. They like to th see the authenticity. So I think the advice is to think about what you're really afraid of in, in showing up, because I think that starts to take the power away from it, where, you know, there is that that fear of what could possibly happen. And the way I look at it, this is something I've really had to learn is we sort of let go of the outcome. If we're sharing something that is really meaningful to us, I think the magic is in maybe it resonates with one person just one person. And if it, you know, if we can touch one person, that would be amazing. But not trying to control that, you know, just really authentically showing up and letting that land for the people it needs to land for. Yeah. And I guess absolutely right with that one person, because then that has a ripple effect, doesn't it? And I think also, you're not going to be everybody's person. Not everybody is everybody's person. And so it, I guess it's learning to just, you know, kind of let that roll over your shoulders and just be like, okay, if I'm not for you, that's fine. I will be the right person for somebody else or the right piece for somebody else or whatever. So, And that's huge. That's, that's literally it. We should never, I mean, that's probably the bigger piece of advice, what you just said there is we should never try to please everybody. You know, you, especially as an artist, you have your own special sauce. You have your own unique thing about you. We all have that. And it's about like tapping into what that is and sharing that because you are going to find your tribe. You know, it's like the cliche, your vibe attracts your tribe, but it really, really does. And that's who you want. Those are the yeah. people who are going to love what you do when you're being totally authentic and not trying to make your work like accessible to everybody. Yeah, I love that. Your vibe is your tribe. Alrighty, so that's awesome because what I want from this podcast is I want people to know that there are people out there like living authentically and just doing what lights them up and like the making the life work with it, whether that's, you know, doing something that, on, as a passion project and then, you know, having a job at the side, whether that's following your dreams and doing doing your jobs, that's coming through the, the big changes. Um, and I know like when we're when I'm talking about big changes, you had like a, a massive year in, in 2017 that kind of changed your world around. Would you mind kind of talking about that, sharing that? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about that, it started probably just a couple of years before 2017 because, um, so I had had a, a business, a jewelry business of my own early in my career and I closed it in 2009. I went back to work for another jeweler. Basically, I thought, oh, I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I'm just going to head down, work for somebody else. And I'm just an entrepreneur at heart that didn't <laughs> last. <laughs> so I ended up leaving that job in 2015. So, okay. you know, that was that was the beginning of me starting to try to take back control over my life after, you know, my close my first business because of creative burnout, actually, and then went to work for somebody who it was a great business. It was a great experience, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it didn't resonate with me. It wasn't in my heart. Yeah. So we're just going to interrupt you there a second. When you say creative burnout, mm -hmm. do you mean like constantly trying to create pieces and just feeling like you weren't hitting it or what's your definition of that? So creative burnout for me in this situation was I had a, I had a thriving bit. Well, I had a, a money-making business, let me say. <laughs> My business was doing extremely well. It was a multiple six-figure jewelry business. So I was doing great numbers. I was making great money. And I decided to close it because I didn't have enough time to be creative. I was spending oh. so much time on the business side of things that I couldn't do any of the work that lit me up. So that was creative. That was my creative burnout. That's interesting. And I think and probably some people will be in exactly the same situation as you, because the more you get in any any career pathway journey, any kind of thing, you start with a passion, don't you? And then as you, you know, progress through the ranks, so to speak, you suddenly not you stopped doing what you loved doing in the first place. And you just end up being a pen pusher with paperwork and like yep. bills and organizing and stuff. So, yep. Yes, wow. absolutely. Absolutely. So that um yeah so I had gone back to work for another and it was great that I was still working within my industry yeah but it was just like it wasn't a great fit so I ended up leaving that job and that was an excellent choice so I was starting to build up my business again but in a way that supported my creativity so that was good I was um you know I was sort of mucking around with that because it was a whole <laughs> different thing and I was um doing more e-commerce and selling online instead of my business before had been brick and mortar. Yeah. So I'm figuring that out. So 2017, as you said, was a big year for me. And, you know, it was the beginning of the year and I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I was still like, what, what, what's my purpose here? You know, I think, I think most people have that question. And especially yeah. if you identify as an artist or creative, I think we more than others are just like, Oh my God, I have to be doing something. <laughs> that is fulfilling and meaningful in life, right? And I just, I hadn't found what that was. And I was like, my goodness, I need to figure this out. So I do pick like an intention word of the year, every year. And this one, like finding joy came to me. And it was such, I mean, I was just shocked by it. And sometimes that's what happens. Like I'm meditating on something and it's like the same thing keeps coming up. And I'm like, how the heck am I going to find joy? I'm actually kind of miserable. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> so and in the backstory on that was I was in a relationship that was not it just wasn't healthy for me. Um and you know I won't go too much into that but I was in a relationship with a man who was an alcoholic and it was um it was extremely hard. It's like 
that kind of a thing in your life, it's like the fire that needs to be put out. Nothing else can really happen because you're focusing on this fire yeah. all the time. So, um, so that was really distracting. And at the beginning of 2017, this whole finding joy thing, um, was, you know, in my awareness and I actually ended up taking a vacation with a girlfriend, which was just really doesn't sound that strange, but my life was so like structured and like I, I did the same thing all the time that going and taking a vacation without my partner was actually kind of just felt crazy. And I went on this vacation. It was a music cruise with my girlfriend and we had this wow. like life change. Like for me, it was life changing. We had this amazing experience. We went to see this one particular musician, ended up meeting his tour manager and hanging out with him. And it was like, um, and the musician is Michael Fronty for anybody who wants to know. He's amazing. I actually wow. just got back from another cruise that, that he was on, or his cruise a couple months ago. So it was this like, I just remembered what it was like to have fun. And, you know, music is just such a great energizer. So I'm yeah. like listening to this music. Um, Michael Fronti just creates his he's such an amazing just business person not just musician because he creates this community with his fans and it's all about like unconditional love and just being kind to one another mm -hmm. so he's just this amazing person so I that vacation just totally changed my life and I came back home and I looked at everything like okay my life has to change I need to get in that feeling more um, so I wanted to try to work things out with my partner. We sort of started working on that. I ended up uh, just a few months later after going to see Michael Franti in concert again, um, hanging out with the tour manager again, <laughs> I, um, I came back and I, from that trip and I knew I had to end this relationship and that was really hard. We owned property together yeah. and, you know, we had our, we had been together for seven <clears throat> years. So it was, you know, our lives were, we were building a life together. Um, so there was a lot of stuff to work through there and we're still living together and hurricane season living in the Caribbean. Here's oh. hurricane season. And we have the worst hurricane season of my entire, I've lived on the Island. I live on St. Croix for 30 years. So well, back in 2017, it wasn't 30 years, but the worst hurricane season of, you know, my experience here, we had two category five storms in the same month and it was just absolute insanity. And I always okay. sort of like, mm -hmm. so I was just going to say for people in the UK, because obviously I worked in the Caribbean on cruise ships. So I understand hurricanes and I remember this season because I remember that was the year that I came off ships. And I remember looking and just being absolutely traumatized wow. by, you know, watching things and so seeing buildings that I'd been in, like just totaled and everything. But for British people, we don't have a huge amount of hurricanes. So the category system, category five is the highest it is it? the highest of a, of yep. a hurricane and it's generally total devastation it takes things out it takes lives with it it's to do with like speed isn't it and wind speed and stuff wind speed yes yeah. yeah. so wind speed is um and i don't know how the, this won't exactly translate but um mm. a category five hurricane i believe is 150 miles per hour and up wow which is huge and terrifying i guess if you're if you're in the middle of it so mm -hmm. yep yeah. So I one thing I always say about hurricanes, and 
it's almost it sounds funny when there because there is so much devastation but there's another kind of like clearing that happens with hurricanes there's just like it clear nature clears out i mean people who aren't supposed to live on this island leave because they can't handle it there's like this it's this really interesting natural purge yeah so i love that I felt like, you know, with everything going on in my life, this heart, these, this crazy hurricane season was also clearing and purging things out of my life. So, um, yeah, it was actually after the storm that, um, I decided to get sober and I wasn't a big drinker, but I was like, I was in a relationship with a man who was an alcoholic and I had, you know, been focusing on his drinking for so long. And I said, well, what if I stopped drinking? You know, I don't, it doesn't really affect my life that much, but what if I do this? So I did. And, you know, that was six years ago, over six years ago. And I still haven't had a drink since. And the amount of mental clarity that came out of that for me was incredible. I was like, wow, even my, you know, well, I would drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> I was like, even my <laughs> one bottle of wine, you know, two nights a week, was enough to sort of cloud my my thinking and also cloud my creativity. Ooh. So it just opened up so much for me that I felt like I had just been, you know, giving myself a handicap basically by by drinking. So yes, my entire my entire life changed in 2017 um, from, you know, just finding my joy again, which by the end mm. of the year I said, well, I totally understand what this intention, why this intention of finding joy came up for me in the beginning of the year. So yeah, that life-changing vacation, leaving a relationship that wasn't serving me, getting sober and just, you know, having having my mind opened in such an amazing way. Yeah. So oh, there's so yeah. much in there. I mean, there's so all, much. I love <laughs> the fact that like you think that I think this with with rain because we have a lot of rain in the UK. So I think it's it's cleansing. I think it's sometimes it's good to get out in the rain and just let it do whatever it needs to do to you to 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 cleanse you out. But yeah, I guess a hurricane psychologically and physically because it literally comes and spirals, takes things, destroys things. And I guess, like you said, anything that's not strong enough to continue will be destroyed by it and then everything that is strong enough like the people who stay on the island who live on the island you know remain there and then creates probably a better bond with other islanders as well because I mean did you lose anything in, in those hurricanes or were you pretty pretty okay I was quite fortunate we had flooding um, I had flooding and uh, but insurance takes care of a lot of that so I didn't have to really pay out of pocket for most of the damage so yeah okay. I was I was quite fortunate yeah that's that's really really good and then um, doing something different, that's kind of like a, a term that I almost really only learned this year, but I've always done it, if that makes sense. But then I've obviously like labeled it. So just doing something different, like you said, like just going on holiday with your girlfriend or going on vacation with your girlfriend and just doing something different, going on like a music cruise. And like you said, music is great for the soul anyway. It, it sounds good. You can move your body, which kind of relaxes you a little bit. But yeah. by doing something different, it just opened up a whole new world for you and then you're like oh I've been in this like little box for a while of dealing with other people's problems and my relationship and and then you realize oh maybe I'm not as happy as I thought I was because you start to see what else is out there so I think if anybody's listening to this like a good takeaway there is just try something different like we said about learning the jewelry or 
you know, whatever it is that you're thinking, like we're, we're at the beginning of 2024 now. So whatever it is that you're thinking, just try something different and just see. And it might not, it might not change your mind or it might make you actually realise that what you've got is way better than you thought it was in the first place. It can go one way or another, can't it? So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, well, that is uh, amazing. And amazing that you're um, you're sober for six years. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I Thank do you. drink, but I'm like literally listening to you thinking, hmm, okay, because it's a lot of people do in dry January. And like I have definitely cut back on my drinking I don't have the time anymore to have a hangover I don't like you said it's that that clarity I want to be you know getting up in the morning and being productive and doing things I don't want to be lying in bed like bemoaning how much I hate my life and I'm never going to drink again and then rinse repeat the next week that was like my 20s and some of my 30s when I'm in my 40s Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm not doing that anymore but I do still enjoy a drink so now I'm thinking oh okay so you're not the first friend that has said to me oh okay like I'm sober and it's great I'm like hmm okay (laughs) yeah and it's you know one of the things about that that I hear quite a bit from people is it it's so funny because I think when we, we think about people who get sober and quit drinking, we think that they're all these people who have really intense problems with alcohol. And especially with a lot of women I meet, I'm meeting a ton of women who got sober and there was no crazy bottom. There was no crazy experience mm. that made them, you know, decide that they had to get sober. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I think there is a little bit of that mindset like, oh, well, I'm not I'm not an alcoholic, so I don't need to stop drinking. But yeah. what if we could just improve our lives, you know? And not everybody has to stop completely, but, um, you know, yeah. re, uh, or just sort of I, like looking at your relationship with alcohol can can help yeah. a lot. And again, you said that though, didn't you? Because you said, you know, you, you were drinking, but you weren't drinking to excess. You probably weren't falling over drunk. You weren't waking up in pools of sick, what you automatically assume an alcoholic is doing. Although I think a lot of alcoholics manage to contain themselves and like a lot of functioning. Yeah. Um, So it's almost like, and especially in Britain, we have a massive binge drinking culture or we used to. So kind of my era growing up, I feel like the younger generations aren't like this and don't really drink as heavily as we did but we had pubs on every corner and you know you went to the pub from five o'clock when you finished work and you drank as much as you possibly could until 11 p.m when they closed and then like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you did on a weeknight or on a weekend or whatever and and so that's kind of the culture that you've grown up in but like like you said you, you weren't drinking a lot and you again just did something different and then you've, yeah. you've got that I think it's that mental clarity that you're talking about that kind of like triggers like an idea with me because I'm like oh like if you could be more creative and somebody said the way to be more creative is maybe stop drinking alcohol or you know at least cut back on it I mean did you find it difficult to just stop or were you just like uh fine so that's interesting so I did very honestly I did go to a 12-step recovery program um because I had been in there's a program called Al-Anon which is for families of alcoholics and so I'd gone to that with to deal with my ex and, and his drinking. And so then when I decided to get sober, I said, oh, let me let me go to AA. And I didn't really feel like it was my place, but I decided to still do the work. I was like, let me do these steps. And what the steps really are is, for me, it was more self-discovery. And I love mm. self-work and personal growth. Yeah. So it's like, I think a lot of people think that Again, it's just for alcoholics. Well, yeah, it's AA, it's for alcoholics. But those <laughs> steps are universal. 
the steps that they ask you to take to really, you know, it's about looking at yourself, the reasons why you drank. So it became much bigger for me. And I was like, whoa. So, so that was something that really opened my eyes and was extremely life-changing too. Yeah. I love that. It's like a, a personal coaching journey. I love everything to do with personal development. I've been on my yeah. own personal development mission for for years. And I just th- think it's one of those things that you can never stop learning about yourself because there's always an extra layer of the onion to peel off, isn't there? And then you, oh, that, that, that makes sense. So, and I yeah. guess with being a creative, you know, that also helps you to understand, you know, if you were maybe turning to the bottle, could you maybe turn to, you know, the clay wheel or create a piece of jewellery or, you know, scribble down in artwork. We encourage children to get their emotions out in artwork. And I think we forget it as we get older. And I remember, um, you know, I know somebody who had a child and and they were separating, the parents were separating and he was colouring black all the time, but they didn't like realize it I think it's like on upon reflection like from from looking back and it's like obviously he was maybe 18 months couple of years old so he's like obviously hearing what's going on the arguments and stuff and and you know it's coming out in the colors that he's picking up to color with it's so bizarre so we do it naturally and I just think we forget about the joy of getting emotions out don't we when we're when we're grown up, because then we fall into those categories of you should do this, you shouldn't do this, don't do this, oh, why would you do that? Or like, or the judgments of friends or Becky from school or whatever. You know, whatever you <laughs> <say>. <laughs> so oh, I, I love that. I, you kind of just open in a world up to me. I kind of just want to go and get pens and paper and just colour everything. <laughs> well, I believe there is really something to that too, because I, I believe in like, you know, the inner child, the feeling that we had as a child, that's where our creativity lives, where, you know, kids don't care about, or they're not worried about making messy art. They're going to like color outside the lines and do all this cool stuff. And the world is just so expansive when you're a kid, because we haven't been like put in these boxes of the shoulds, like you say. So yeah, there is really a magic in tapping into that inner child place. Like one of the things that I do regularly when I need to be re-inspired is I watch kids movies, especially the Disney Pixar ones, because like (laughs) they are, they're, you know, this, this piece is in there for adults too. Like it's not just for children, but you know, I think of like, there was one, I believe called up and like this man, his house is taken to Peru by all these balloons. And I'm like, how amazing is that? I'm looking at it. My adult self is going, well, all those balloons would never (laughs) take that house to Peru. But then I was like, what if I was a kid, I would be watching this and going, Oh my God, this is so cool. Of course, those balloons are going to carry that house. (laughs) yeah so there's, I, there's something to that like just tapping back into that that wonder that magic yeah. what is possible yeah we've all know that person in our life don't we that like goes well that would never happen when you're watching a film that would never happen that's not practical that can't happen you're just like just let me enjoy the film <laughs> yeah exactly I'm I'm a massive like Disney fan and I love those Disney Pixar ones as well so I'm completely completely with you on that and I think everybody should you know, be able to to play. And I'd love to, I've got like kind of like a secret dream that I don't know how this will ever come about because I'm going down a different line at the moment, but you know, we'll put it out there. Like I'd like to have just like a, a play area for 
adults that also contains, you know, I don't know, maybe some coaching or counselling rooms. But, you know, like you walk in and there's a ball pit. There's like, you can draw on the walls and we can magically wipe them off or whatever. You know, like you can have a food fight. You can do all the things that we get told that we shouldn't be doing as adults because we've got to be responsible for cleaning or organising or tidying. And like, like you said, just like let that happy inner child out because... Yeah. Like so many times, like that's our repressed self as an adult, isn't it? I feel like we've gotten really mm-hmm. deep here, but I love it because I feel like this is massively beneficial for anybody who's listening. So oh. I guess anybody who's listening, like if you had something that you liked doing as a child, take the next weekend, whenever you're listening to this, and go and see if you can try and recreate that, whether that's climbing a tree, whether that's going and doing handstands or cartwheels on the grass, just playing kickabout with a ball, colouring in, whatever it is, don't colour inside the lines, colour the grass purple and the sky, like, I don't know, yellow or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Don't follow, like, society's rules and see how you feel, I guess, when, you, when you're doing it. So. Mm-hmm. It's that do something different, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think that. it's a little uncomfortable, especially if we are in our little routines, like, oh, coloring outside the line sounds scary, like feels scary, mm. or this doesn't feel right. So, but sometimes, or I think anything, you know, so many of us are afraid to, to suck at something new, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's getting into that, like, oh, this is uncomfortable, because I'm just not used to being imperfect or having fun yeah. or whatever it is. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like a practice that we can bring into our lives. I love that. Definitely. And failure is just like fail is first attempt in learning. That's it. Yep. Like it we don't fail. And like you said, I think it's just it's that fear. And if we can't even get over the fear of coloring outside the lines because somebody might say something to us, then we're never going to be able to kind of progress our lives forward in the way that we want them to because we'll hit like hella bigger fear things than like you know that type of thing so Mm -hmm. I love that I feel like that's massively beneficial so how so do you bring out new I'm coming back to your jewelry now do you bring out like new collections do you just kind of have like inspiration of oh this is like you see something and think this is what I'm gonna go and make how did you where did your inspiration hit you from yeah, that's a great question. So I try to um, I try to design both collections, and then I really love to do one of a kind pieces. So my jewelry tends to be very gemstone focused because that was my mm-hmm. first love. You know, I did I went to the Gemological Institute of America before I was even manufacturing because gems were just like that was it. That was what made me fall in love with jewelry. So a lot of my designs are based around really fantastic gemstones. Um, And I've just actually, I launched a new series on my Instagram for fantasy jewelry, all about like gemstone facts. And I've, it's made me go not hugely viral, but I just had a a reel that has over 200,000 views on it. So I've been having a lot of fun just talking about gems because it's something I'm so lit up by. And Clearly my, my people love it too, because I've gone viral, you know, oh, that's awesome. I, I don't, I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers yet, but, um, but that's been really fun. So, so yeah, I will do collections um, because it's helpful, like larger collections, because I need to have pieces that are easily reproducible so that I can yeah. spend time doing the one of a kind stuff with yeah. the gemstones, which is really what I love to do. So really a lot of my inspiration, I mean, it comes from the gems first, but 
a lot of my designs are in, just inspired by life. Like we were talking about the hurricane experience and I have a collection called the sun, the sun collection. It's very, you know, very basic because, you know, marketing, we want to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just called the sun collection, <laughs> but that collection basically came out of my 2017 experience that I, I just described. Um, one little tiny piece that I left out of that was that after the hurricane, I wasn't sure what my place was because there were people, you know, doing all these amazing things. Like my guy friends were going and getting like chopping down trees and getting people out mm -hmm. of their driveways. Um, my, my former partner was a chef. So he started cooking huge community meals because we still, we had a generator. So we were able to have power. And so we were cooking mm -hmm. for people. And I oh. was like, my gosh, I feel like what, what can I do? Yeah. What's and, your purpose? Yeah. And the answer that came to me was just be kind. And that mm. sounds like so trite and so simple, but a lot of people after the hurricane just needed a hug. They needed somebody mm. to be nice to them. And I really, so I really just like, and I would bring cold water to our maintenance guys and things like that. Just little tiny, little tiny acts of kindness. Mm. But let me tell you, it made the whole experience. Like it was that idea that when you do something nice for somebody they don't just get lit up but you get lit up too yeah so there was that whole experience so my son collection was the idea of actually being the light oh and that's beautiful the center of the the sun design is actually a spiral which is like the hurricane yeah <laughs> oh wow yeah. that's that's wonderful oh yeah so that. sometimes the collections come from a very deep place like that and it's it's interesting because that's that's the creative process in my opinion is like we have something that we want yeah. to express in another form right like I wanted to take this feeling and put it into jewelry and unless I tell that story nobody's going to get it but when I tell that story to my customers they're like oh my god that's really yes. cool and yes. I tell them, I'm like, we all have these moments, you know, their experience doesn't have to be a hurricane, but it can be like, we all have moments that we're in the dark and we come out of them and remember our own light, basically. Yeah, that's really good. And I think also that's really good in the fact that it's about kind of, like you said, coming out of the dark and into the light, but as a if you want to do something creative, just trust your gut, trust that it's gonna, it's coming from somewhere. Trust that, like, try not to put your barriers and blocks up like you would naturally do and be like, just go with the flow, I guess. And like, if it feels like it's, it feels right, then just go with it and see what happens. But, and I think more of us need to do that, right? We need to, <laughs> yeah. to, to take that action. You know, clarity comes from action. That's a little soundbite that keeps coming back to me this year. Yeah. You know, sure, we might make a mistake. It might not be the perfect thing, but yeah, we need to. That That's how we start creating whatever it's going to be. Not every creation, whether it's a piece of art or, you know, anything that we're putting out into the world is going to be a home run and that's yeah. you know I always think about that like they're not all going to be home runs but they're all pieces in the process yeah absolutely on a like a kind of a descriptive note on that somebody once said to me and this really resonated with me it's like apple iphones can anybody remember the first one like it it might have worked for them at the time it didn't and then you know it, it wasn't perfect 
they tweaked it and changed it and made another one. And then every year they're bringing out a different one. And it's never perfect on the day that they bring it out. There's always updates to it. And, and nobody can remember what the first ones were in the first place. And so I think that that goes with everybody's with life, with business, with trying something new, with creativity. It's like, just just do it. You can always redo it and tweak it. You can always delete it if it's online, you know. It's like like with our podcasts, because no, I know you've got a podcast as well. It's like, just put it out there, do it messy, get it out there. Like you can always go back and edit it if you need to at a different date. But I really like not editing mine. I like kind of like the raw, uncut, this is how we're rolling version of it. But that kind of like segues nicely. So you've got a, a fabulous podcast, haven't you? Creative Minds, Brilliant Life. Yes. So what's your podcast about? So a lot of it is kind of what we were talking about here. I believe that the creative process is just a vehicle for living our best lives. And the creative, you know, a lot of people do know that they are creative. And I hear so many people tell me that they are not creative. And the truth is, all of us as humans are creatives. And as women, we are especially creatives. Like we are the ultimate creators because we create life, right? <laughs> like there is nothing yeah. more creative. And, you know, the creative process is really about like, list, like, gosh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting like having a hard time <laughs> saying this because there's so much to say. <laughs> so the creative process is really about like taking something, you know, taking something that I believe it's very divine, like it comes from something that's beyond us as humans, mm -hmm. and bringing it into the world, bringing it into life, because I think that most people are looking for inspiration, and not everybody knows exactly that that's what they're looking for. We're looking for a feeling. And I call it inspiration, because I'm an artist. But most of us, we want to feel lit up all the time. I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. And so that's what I'm really wanting to talk about in my podcast is the creative experience as it relates to people who are actually artists, but how we also bring that to other people who maybe don't identify as artists. So we can inspire the people who need the inspiration, who need to kind of be consuming the creativity. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that's really good. Like you can inspire other people and when I worked on cruise ships actually one of the art directors said to me a piece of art should make you feel something it, you might hate it but it makes you feel something and that's how you know that it's a, it's a good piece of art so I think that wanting to inspire people like also comes from your, your inspiration isn't it you know again it's inspiring and inspiration but I think it comes back to your you know finding joy my following the joy podcast it's just we want people to kind of just be themselves be happy and just try try something and like like coming back to what you were saying before about the um the hurricanes it's like finding that purpose isn't it and I think most of our purpose, if we drill down into it, comes from a place of love, doesn't it? It's like we either want to help people, inspire people. We want to, like, like lift other people up. So it all comes from that kind of, like, warm heart-centred place of, of love. So, mm -hmm. oh. Oh, you're just fabulous. I've enjoyed this conversation <laughs> so much. I love it. I love it. Now, let me ask you one more question. Do you do bespoke pieces of jewellery for people? because everybody needs to check you out. <laughs> uh, 
So in theory, I do. I've been booked for a very long time on Bespoke. Oh, wow. So I don't see it opening in 2024. <laughs> nice. So okay. we will, yeah, I do have, I do have quite a bit of uh, regular business on the Bespoke side. So um, I made the most beautiful diamond ring of my entire career in 2023. So oh, wow. that was a lot of fun. So maybe it will be happening again in the future, but for right now, um, no, no open commissions. Do you ever make a piece for somebody and think, oh, I really don't want to give this to you because I love it so much. I want to keep it for myself. So that's a great question because when I started making jewelry, I wanted to keep everything that I made. <laughs> And I had to like, I had to go through this like personal development thing on it. Like, no, I can just be just as happy knowing that I'm going to make somebody else happy with this piece than if I were to keep it for myself. And I, I yeah. really had to like change my mindset on that. And when I look at it like that, it makes it much easier to send my babies out into the world. Yeah. <laughs> my I know that somebody's, yeah, because you can't possibly wear everything. Like, you know, you've probably made, you know, thousands of pieces. You can't possibly wear everything all the time. So it's nice to know that I guess somebody else is wearing it and, and finding joy in it. So. And then the thing is, I can always make myself whatever I want at any time. I'm oh. terrible about that, though. I never, I very rarely make myself jewelry. <laughs> it's the same thing, though. You probably don't have the time because, you, you, you know, you're doing other pieces and obviously you're very busy and successful, which is awesome. So, yeah, you just... Maybe you need to find time to make yourself a special piece. Yes. The, I think 2024 is going to be a big year of remembering to take care of myself as well, not just everybody else. So if you don't mind sharing, what's your words for 2024? Do you know? So it is create. Oh, nice. Yes. I this like is a that. year. So I'm not going to, I don't want, I'm almost afraid to say this because it could just bring us into a whole long conversation. <laughs> but, you know, there is this place of like, you have to have a business structure when you run a creative business. And then you also still have to find time in the creative. And that's been my, my struggle for so many years, like mm -hmm. why I closed my first business. So I've had a few years that were very, I call it like masculine energy focused, yes. where I've just really had to grind and work really hard. And a lot of the things I've really set myself up in a way that I'm good now. And there were other things in my life that happened that I, I had to just be really doing a lot of hard work. Um, and this is the year that a lot of those things have just sort of settled. And I'm feeling more into the feminine energy, which is the energy of creation. Yeah. So that's why 2024 is just feels like a year of creating. And so it's super exciting that, you know, my podcast just launched at the beginning of the year oh. too. Yep, I see good things for you. I can't wait to, to see how it all comes out. My words are adventure, love, and abundance. Oh, amazing. Mm. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm just putting it out there and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But Right. Let me try and do a kind of like, because at the end of every one of these um, interviews, I like to try and do like a summary of like takeaways for my lovely listeners. So I think we've covered so much, but I think um, do something different was definitely one of them. Um, just kind of dialing into that inner child, like you said, and playing and kind of, getting over the fear of what one or two people have said to you in your life and that's just solely their opinion um and your vibe is your tribe yes I was I hoping you were going to mention that one because that's a good one <laughs> I think this has been awesome thank you ever so much Nicole it's been a 
genuine pleasure talking to you. I, I could talk to you for hours. Um, and I will definitely be following your podcast and probably buying pieces of jewellery from you and maybe being like, hello, now you know me. Can I come and visit you in the, in the Caribbean? <laughs> Absolutely. I, <love> <laughs> I will open the invitation. You are welcome to come visit. This has it. been amazing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you get free accommodation in foreign <laughs> countries. <laughs> right, brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Nicole. And um, you, I, will, I will stop it then. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as always, any links or anything mentioned will be in the show notes. If you haven't connected with me yet, I'd love to meet you. So come find me on Instagram at Debbie Westwell. Why not slide into my DMs and tell me what you thought of this episode? And if you like what you hear, then please follow me or hit the bell icon, share with somebody like you who would benefit from listening and all positive reviews are greatly appreciated. Thank you for being your wonderful self and I can't wait to chat next time. <music>